Are you ready for God's word? Are you ready? Some of you are. What did the rest of you come for? And so are you ready for God's word? Are you ready? Yeah. So we're going to talk about miracles. And I started last week talking about miracles, and, and we're going to talk about miracles um, for the next few weeks. Um, and, I, and I don't have time, obviously, to re-preach last week's message. Um, apparently, it was the best message I've ever preached, so that's a little disappointment and letdown for tonight. Um, but uh, I encourage you, it's on iTunes, it's pod, you can podcast it, you can get it online, it's all free. But I would love for every person uh, in our church to listen to last week's message because I think it's so uh, pivotal in a way. And, and really, I explained it all last week and I even shared some things that I'm going through uh, personally, physically, um, and, and um, what I think God's trying to do. And, but but I, what I said was this, is I don't believe that, I, I, first of all, I believe that God is a God of miracles, just like we sang. And I don't believe that you can follow God unless you believe that he is a God of miracles. And because you can't follow God without believing he raised someone from the dead. And we talked about that last week, but I believe that chasing miracles is, it's really foundational and critical to the Christian faith. In other words, I don't think you can do it right unless you're chasing something impossible. And I explained all of that last week. And so I can't go back there. And so this week I'm going to continue on and I'm going to take on the topic that nobody likes to take on. I mean, you know, there's like, um, there's like trying to explain tongues and there's trying to preach on tithing. And now it's like trying to preach on physical healing and because there's all the questions, right? All the questions you get. Um, and, and everybody, I, you know, I, I've offended people, not because I meant to, but I preached on healing and they didn't believe in healing. And there's a reason they didn't believe in healing. And um, I'll tell you very, very frankly that um, I'll tell you why I believe in healing. Because it's in the Bible. Now, I understand. I have prayed for people that have not been healed. Right? I understand that. I'm not going to act like I'm super spiritual and I have anything figured out. Some of you know right now, physically, I need a miracle. Right? Um, And so... And so I'm, it's not like I'm sitting up here like I'm Shiki Shibobo, the high spiritual wonder, and I've got some juju for you and some magic pixie dust. I haven't got any of this figured out any more than you do. But what I have determined is that I cannot, I am always going to be in error when I let my experience define God. You cannot define God by an experience in a fallen world. You have to let what God has said about himself and who God has shown us to be in his word. He wants to, he wants to define himself for us. He does not want us to define. And I think one of the reasons why we don't see more miracles in the church is because not because God has changed, but because we have changed who we believe him to be. And if you do not place a demand on him, you cannot receive from him. And so I'm just going to take it on and, and we're going to filter through and I've got some exciting things to say and it's going to be fun. And no, I'm not going to answer every question um, that you have and you're still going to have questions when you meet Jesus and then everything will make sense. How many, there is a tension. Do you understand with God, there is always a tension between revelation and, bequ- and between questions, right? 
There's always this tension like between what I know and what I don't know, essentially. And anytime one of them rises, the other one rises. And so I get more revelation, but then I understand there's more I don't understand. But sometimes something happens in my life and I don't understand. And then I draw near to God for more revelation. And there's just always this tension between the unknown. Because you, listen, you can't live a life of faith if you understand it all. I think sometimes we have gotten too smart to believe God. Right? Why do you think the Bible talks about childlike faith? Because they're not so smart they can't still believe. Right? I'm okay with not understanding it all. And if that freaks you out because I'm the pastor, then go find a pastor who will lie to you and tell you he understands it all. And y'all can live in denial together. (laughs) Mark chapter one, tell it like it is what I'm saying. You didn't come to be lied to. You came to hear the truth. And sometimes the truth is, I don't know. I found out being a pastor and being able to say, I don't know, will set you free. Mark chapter one, verse 40. This is the account of a leper that Jesus heals. Verse 40, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I call this message the heart of the physician. The heart of the physician. Because I think sometimes that we miss that... um, one of the ways or one of the names that we ascribe to Jesus is the great physician. And I think that we miss that Jesus actually tells us that he is a physician. In fact, um, the reason we call him the great, the great physician is because Jesus can heal a whole lot. And let me show you what I mean. Um, there's two places mainly that Jesus refers to himself as a physician. The first one is in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it says, When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well. In other words, Jesus was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. I don't know why tax collectors and sinners are always together. I don't intend to get involved in that. I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible says. But he was hanging out with sinners. And it says those, and this is what he said to them, Those who are well. They criticized him for hanging out with sinners. He said, those who are well don't need a physician. Rather, those who are sick do. And he said, I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. And so here he's the great physician, but he's able to heal our condition of sin. He's able to make us righteous. Then in Luke chapter 4, and he said to them, you will surely say to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Whatever you have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And then he went on to say, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. And he said that to them because in Luke chapter 4 is where he sits down. 
and, and he sits down in the, in the seat reserved for the Messiah and he takes the, the, the prophet Isaiah and begins to read, right? Preach the gospel to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, set at liberty the captive, right? And he said, this, this scripture is now fulfilled in your hearing. And then he said, you'll tell me, physician, heal yourself. And so in, 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 in Mark chapter 2, he's the spiritual physician, but in, in Luke chapter 4, he's the physical physician. And he is the great physician. And so what we just read in Mark chapter 1 is a leper's encounter with the greatest physician ever. But what I love about the text is it tells us some things about the heart of the great physician. The heart of the physician. And I want you to understand, if you need a great physician, I want to tell you a few things about him and about his heart. And so if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that you could write down. You could write down that the physician is passionate. He's a passionate physician. And we see this. Um, if you think about it, why did the leper come to Jesus in the first place? Because he had a reputation right? Isn't it true? If you need a physician, you kind of ask around like who's successful at this. Isn't that true? If you've ever gone undergone a surgery, hopefully you did a little Googling. Don't Google your symptoms. You'll call the funeral home, but, but Google, Google who's going to do it, right? Because you want to know, like, are you good at this? Doctors here call what they do practice. I want to know how much practice they've had before me. But this leper came to Jesus, and why did he come to Jesus? Because Jesus had a reputation of being a healer. He had a reputation of being a physician. And, and I think you need to understand something, and I'm going to say something, and, and then we're going to talk about it, and hopefully we all get to the same page. I'm going to tell you where I come from. I believe all healing comes from God. I believe all healing comes from God. And I believe there are three ways that God heals. I believe God heals naturally. If, if God didn't create our bodies to heal naturally, who created them? The great physician, right? Then the next time we cut our finger, we would bleed to death. And so God created our bodies to heal naturally. And so I believe there is a natural way to heal that God has given us. I believe that God has given us doctors and medicine and that God can heal medically. How many thank God for ibuprofen right now? So I don't have a problem saying that Genesis tells us he's given us all the seed bearing herbs and plants, right? And so God has given us medicine and he's given us skilled doctors and God heals medically. And a lot of times the way God heals medically is the partnership between our body and the physicians and their wisdom and knowledge, just like setting a broken bone. But I also think that God heals miraculously. Just like we read in Mark chapter one of this leper, this leper could not be healed naturally. His body was not going to heal itself. He could not be healed medically. There wasn't a, a, a treatment. There wasn't a medicine. There was nothing that, that medicine or a doctor could offer him. And so he had to be healed he had to be healed miraculously. And I think sometimes, here's the problem I have, and here's why I want to say this. Most of the time, we give God the credit for not healing us because we judge him on one of three ways he heals. 
What if we learned to give God the credit every time we experience healing instead of the times that we don't? What if when I cut my hand, I could say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you created platelets and coagulation or however that works. And what if I went to a good Christian doctor and he was able to offer me something that actually helped me? And I'd say, thank you, God, that you've given us medicine. What if we just decided all healing comes from God and we're going to honor God in all healing? Instead of saying this healing comes from man and this comes from God. And if God doesn't do what we think he needs to do when he needs to do it, then God's not God anymore. And so I believe that all healing comes from God. And let me tell you about the great physician. Let me tell you a few things that he's not just so you know, the the great physician, first of all, he is not a sensationalist. Jesus did not heal to draw attention to himself. And that's what some people say. Jesus healed the way they say it is Jesus healed to prove he was God. He didn't need to prove he was God. An empty tomb is enough to prove you're God. Let us bury you for three days and you dig your way out. We'll worship you for a while. He didn't need to heal people to prove he was God. In fact, I don't think he, I don't think he did one healing to prove he was God. He's not a sensationalist. In, in fact, he says to this leper, hey, don't tell anybody. Shh, it's our secret. Now, the leper wasn't good at that. He went and told everybody. And a lot of theologians, well, why, why? Well, here's the reason why. Because Jesus knew that he would be crucified because of his fame. And he knew it wasn't his time. And so every person he healed, he said, don't tell anyone because it's not my time yet. But I don't think he's a sensationalist. I'll tell you something else. I don't think he's a confessionalist. And let me tell you what I mean. There's a, there's a hyper-faith healing movement that, that essentially says, you know, you don't ever say that you're sick. I went to church with somebody like this, and, and I walked in, and, man, they've got all the stuff going on. I said, man, I'm so sorry you're sick. No, I'm not sick. <laughs> I'm like, brother, you look sick to me. No, I'm not sick. I've got some symptoms, but I'm not sick. I'm like, brother, you got green stuff coming out of everywhere on your face. You can't even talk. Your eyes are swollen shut. Let's just come, let's just come together and agree. Brother, you're sick, man. You're sick. I believe, let me say this. I believe we should always quote and, and confess the word of God. But can I tell you something? Jesus can only heal sick folk. People who aren't sick don't need a physician. Isn't that what he said? And so while we're saying, oh, don't confess you're sick. When I'm sick, I'll tell you, I'm sick. I don't feel good. I I shared this last week. I I have a disc that's pressing against my spine and my body doesn't work right. I, I don't feel like I'm agreeing with that. Like I don't have to agree with that's factual information, Right. I don't think God's like, oh my God, he repeated the diagnosis. Now I can't do anything. I was so powerful before he read the doctor's report, but a piece of paper and some ink has bound my hands forever. Do you know why this man in Mark chapter one got healed? Because he had leprosy. 
I don't think Jesus is a confessionalist. I don't think faith is denying the facts. I don't think I don't think faith is faith is not denying the facts. Faith is believing the truth. The next thing is I, I don't I don't believe that Jesus is a dispensationalist. In other words, I don't think Jesus was like, well, I was a healer for three years, but I've retired. Just playing golf now mostly. I was the great physician while I was on the earth for three years. I was a great physician. In fact, I was the best physician that ever lived for three years. But then I retired. Now I enjoy my days at the country club in heaven. It's always 70 and sunny. I don't think he's a dispensationalist. Let me tell you why I don't believe he's a dispensationalist, just so we're clear. I think, first of all, he's not a dispensationalist because if Jesus thought that he was no longer the great physician, he would not have asked his disciples to go and heal the sick. And the great commission that we say we're supposed to be a part of, do you know what it says? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. If Jesus is out of the healing business, why would he give us an assignment that he doesn't intend to make good on? So I don't think Jesus is out of the healing business. I also have Hebrews 13, 8 that says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ was the great physician. Jesus Christ is the great physician. And Jesus Christ forever will be the great physician. That's who he's declared himself to be. And so I don't believe he's a dispensationalist. I don't believe that at all. I think he's a passionate physician. I think he's a passionate physician. Can I ask you a question? I I love this text because it says, Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus moved. Do Do you know why he's a great physician? Because when you're sick, it moves him. He was moved because Jesus loves people. I don't know about you, but I'd like to go to a doctor that loved people. I don't think I'd want to go to a doctor that didn't like people. But so many times throughout Scripture, Jesus was moved Moved with compassion. Many times he did miracles because he was moved with compassion. Can I ask you a question? He healed this leper because he was moved with compassion. Do you think he's less compassionate today? Do you think that not only did he get out of the healing business, he got out of the loving business? Would that even make sense that if compassion moves him to heal, that somehow now he is less compassionate than he used to be? That he's decided, well, I used to care about that stuff, but I really don't anymore. And, and, can, you know, and can I just go a step farther with that? 
When we look at a situation and assume that we have more compassion for that healing than Jesus does, we have judged him as not being nearly as merciful as we are. I think Jesus is a great, you know how Jesus is a great, great physician? Because he has a high success rate. Even after the death, he has a high success rate. Right? Can I read you a few scriptures? Because I've had criticism because I say that Jesus wants to heal every time. And the reason I say Jesus wants to heal every time is because I look at his track record. Let me just read a few scriptures and you can decide what you want do with them. Matthew 4, verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And then his fame went throughout, went throughout Syria, and they brought him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them all. I brought him all and he healed them all. Let me read you another scripture. And by the way, there are more. I'm just going to read three. But Luke 440, it says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke 6, 17, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came, how many came? A great multitude of people who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well of those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed and the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. He's a passionate physician. He's a passionate physician. Can I ask you a question? If you had the power to heal every sick person, how many would you heal? Now let me read you another scripture in the form of a question. If you being good... Or if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Are you telling me that you're better than him? Are you telling me that you're more gracious than him? That you're more caring than him? That you're more compassionate than him? Is that what you're telling me? He's a great, commission, he's a great physician because he's a compassionate physician. Here's the second thing. There's his compassion, but then there's this physician's desire. There's his desire. In verse 40, the leper really hits on the two issues that we're always going to deal with. It's the two same, same two things we deal with. Because he says this, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you're willing, you can make me clean. It's the two things we got to answer. I'll take them kind of backwards, but... First of all, can he make you clean? In other words, is God able to heal? I said last week, for us, we have to decide the burden of faith is on us. And we have to decide if we serve a God who used to heal or if we serve a God who does heal. We have to decide if we, we serve 
a God that used to be a great physician or if we serve a God who is still currently a practicing great physician. And the burden of that faith is on us because so many times Jesus say, let it be according to your faith. In other words, God's not going to move outside of your faith. But this leper asked him, he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And so the first question is, can God heal? Well, let's read a couple of scriptures. Exodus 15, 26. This is God. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight and get ears to his command and keep his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I brought on the Egyptians. And then he says this, for I am the Lord who heals. It seems that God thinks he heals. He said, for I'm the Lord who heals. In fact, we know in scripture, there's several times God gives us a name for himself, right? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Abraham got that name. This is where God looks at all of his people. And he says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals. In other words, this is what God said. Not only do I heal, it's my name. Not only do I heal, it's my name. God thinks he heals. Here's what Jesus says. Or sorry, the gospel of Matthew verse chapter eight, verse 16. It says, when evening came and they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. In other words, God thinks he heals, and Jesus took took our sickness and took our disease. Why did he take it? Because he didn't want us to have it. So can God heal? I think he can, but here's the real question. Let's just be honest. So many people, yeah, I believe God can heal, but, but here's the real question. But will God heal? Because sooner or later, life's going to happen and you're going to run into the time God didn't heal. Right? And that's how you're going to frame it up. God didn't do it. I prayed and he didn't do it. In fact, many times this is, if you want to know where the theology that God doesn't heal comes from, it comes from the experience that someone died that I was praying for. And I assumed myself to be more loving, more compassionate and more merciful. And I made a judgment about God that he is not nearly as merciful and kind and caring as I am. And then I decided, well, then he must not be a healer. And we decide who God is. And once we decide who God is, God lives up to what we think his reputation is, just like the leper. When he's saying, are you willing? Will you? I think sometimes we miss what that word means. Because I think sometimes we look at it like God doesn't really want to, but if we, if we just keep coming and try to talk him into it, Like it's really not his will to heal, but if we keep begging, you can say, oh me, if amen doesn't work. (laughs) But that word means desire or delight. Will, desire or delight. Will, desire or delight. And so what he's saying is, Will you heal? And this is what Jesus responds in verse 41. Then Jesus moved with compassion, 
stretched out his hand and touched him. By the way, the, the, the original language is he grabbed and embraced him. That's meaningful because lepers, you weren't allowed to touch a leper under the law or you'd be made unclean. And see, under the law, if you touch someone unclean, you were made clean. You were made unclean. But under grace, if someone clean touches someone unclean, they're made clean. And Jesus said, I'm clean enough to make your unclean clean. And he grabbed him and he said this, I am willing to be cleansed. I am willing to be cleansed. You know what he's saying? It is my delight to heal you. It is my desire to heal you. How much would it change things if you thought God wanted to heal you more than you thought you needed healing? And I know, well, but my experience, and I've been praying. Yeah, 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 whatever. We're not talking about experience. We're talking about the great physician. Stop testifying to Jesus about your experience and start testifying to your experience about your Jesus. Jesus already knows what you're going through. You don't have to explain it. He's not deaf that he cannot hear. And he said, my arm is not short that I cannot touch. And I have need, I know what you have need of before you ask. That's his words. Don't explain to him what you're going through. He knows and he's moved with compassion. My God, help me preach. That's what he's saying. I want you to be healed. You see, Jesus' whole life testifies to what God wants. Do you understand that? Because sometimes, sometimes we really think, we think, well, Jesus, Jesus was a great physician, but God is the mean God who puts sicknesses on us to teach us stuff. I don't know about you, but if that's who God is, I'm out on this deal. Because I have better ways to learn than having diseases. I made it through school, through college, did great, and not one of those teachers made me sick. I can learn stuff without being stricken down with disease. Do you understand what God said in Exodus 15? He said, I don't put sickness on my people. I give them healing. What an abomination to say, well, God gave me this. Well, if God gave it to you, don't ask me to pray for you. Because apparently you needed it for something. You and God work that out or I'll do the funeral. <laughs> Do you know when the Bible says and it talks about the Paul Saul the king it says the anointing came upon him he came like another man Sometimes that's where some of the stuff I say comes from <laughs> If I wasn't preaching I'd never say that It was true but it still was whatever anyways but Jesus, listen, Jesus, Jesus shows us who God is. Hebrews 1 says that he is the expression of the image of God. He's the expression of the person of God. And God can't be the one making us sick and Jesus the one healing us because then we've got quite, I mean, gosh, then we've got quite a problem in the Godhead. Right? And sometimes people, well, God's the one that makes you sick and Jesus is the one that heals you and the Holy Spirit's just the weird guy hanging out everywhere. 
No, no, no. I think they all move together. In fact, watch what Jesus says. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son does also. Do you understand what Jesus just said right there? Every healing I ever did is because I saw God do it first. Jesus encountered a blind man and he looked at the father and he sees the father healing. And Jesus said, I'm going with the father and we heal. He didn't move separate of the father. Every healing that you see, 31 healing miracles in the gospels, 31 that we can turn to and read about. And this is what Jesus said. I saw God do them all first. He says, for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, so the son gives life to whom he will. I believe this physician has a desire to heal. Do you know why else I believe this physician has a desire to heal? Because he paid the bill for your healing. He paid your doctor bill before you got sick. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. Do you understand that before you went to the doctor, he paid the bill? Before you got sick, he paid the bill? And you're telling me that God doesn't want to heal What kind of God would allow his son to be beaten and to be whipped to pay for healing and then withhold it? He can't be good if that's what he is. And I know, oh, but my experience. Yeah, yeah, write a book about it. I'm talking about God. Let's take his book for a while. You doing okay? Still breathing? I'm going to take a, a, comic, a comedic pause here just for a second. Let you catch your breath. All right, point three. So we're talking about this physician, and we're talking about his compassion and his desire. But let me finish by talking about his grace. Can I tell you that if you don't understand the grace of God, you cannot receive anything that God has to offer you. Because everything that God has to offer you, you cannot earn and you do not deserve. And God will not let you earn it, but he will give it to you. And nothing works without the grace of God. You cannot be changed. You cannot be saved. You cannot be transformed. You cannot be healed. Nothing works without the grace of God. Um, because really this... We kind of had those two questions, you know, can God heal? Yeah, 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 God can heal. Will God heal? Yeah, 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 God's healed some. But can we get really personal and ask this question, will God heal you? Right, will God heal you? Because that's really the question you have to answer if you're going to be healed, in my opinion. Will God heal you? Not will God heal, not can God heal. Because those are, those, are, those are outside of your life. Like, well, God could heal my neighbor. And some of you think, well, Pastor Marty can get healed because he's the pastor. And obviously, he's got to be more holy. <laughs> you had not live with me. You had not cut me off on the freeway. I'm going to show you some holy. Put some holes in your tailgate. 
Yes, Jesus. Because really, you know what we're asking ourselves? Will, will God heal someone like me? Because you see, the enemy is, since, since you prayed to receive Christ, the Bible calls the devil the confuser, of, the, the accuser, and confuser, by the way, but accuser, the accuser of the brethren. And do you know that since you got saved, you, you had this accuser? And he loves to call you into court as often as he can. But do you know what he accuses you with? Facts. He accuses you with what you did. And the problem is you did it. <laughs> right? Surely it's not just me. But I know I never get accused by him for something. Now, I get accused by people of stuff I never did. But when it comes to the devil, he only accuses me of stuff I did. Yes, I did do that. Yes, I did do that. Yes, I did do that. Right? And so when it comes to needing healing, he's standing there with your rap sheet. And you're trying to press into God for a miracle. And he's saying, <clears throat> in the sixth grade. <laughs> right? And you're like, what? That's what? When you were 17? Mm -hmm. For some people last week. For some people last night. For some people this morning. Right? I mean, it's... And he's standing there and he's accusing you, but he's accusing you with factual information of things you did. And if you listen to him, you're going to buy into the fact that you're undeserving. But, but here's where it gets pretty good. Because we're asking ourselves, well, you heal someone like me. And when we look at this leper, do we think we're more deserving of healing or less deserving than that leper? And we always think we're less deserving than the leper, right? And, and we have our rap sheet, right? <laughs> but can I tell you something? Grace only benefits the undeserving. Grace only benefits the undeserving. Mark 2, verse 17, we read it, but this is what Jesus, the great physician, said. He says, when Jesus heard this, he told him, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I've come to call those who think, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Do you see what he said? The great physician only heals the people who know they don't deserve to be healed. The great physician only heals the people who know they don't deserve to be healed. Do you understand? We, we ask ourselves this question, am I good enough to be healed? And here's the answer, no. And you can't be. But you can be bad enough to be healed. You can never be good enough to be healed, but you can be bad enough. D do you understand what I'm telling you? You've been approaching God the wrong way, see? You've been trying to prove to him you're good enough to be healed. And he said, I only heal people who know they don't deserve it. And
And what God says is, you're never going to be good. Can you be good enough to be saved? No. How are we saved? By grace through faith. Do you understand this is why the Bible always puts salvation and healing together? Psalm 103, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Meaning there's more than one. Some people think God only has one benefit. God's got a full package for you. Forget not all of his benefits who forgives all of my sin and heals all of my disease. If you were to take your Bible and we're in Mark 1 and read Mark chapter 2, you're going to find a place where some people have a friend who is on his deathbed and cannot move. He is paralyzed, right? He can't move anything and they're trying to get in. Jesus was holding house church, I guess. He was in somebody's house and they couldn't get in the house. And so they climbed, they, they dragged their friend who's about to die, his limp body, onto the top of the house, open up the roof and lower him down. And you know what Jesus says? Your sins are forgiven. Hold up a minute, Jesus. We didn't do all this to get the guy into heaven. He's about to die. He can't walk. And Jesus said, well, is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven? Arise, take your bed and walk. But so that you know the Son of God has power on earth to forgive sins. Man, get up and walk. And that man walked out of the house. Here's what I'm saying. Jesus said, the same grace that gives you forgiveness is the same grace that gives you healing. And you can't be good enough to be saved, but you can be bad enough. I didn't come to call the righteous. And you can't be good enough to be healed, but you can be bad enough. And so when the enemy comes and he pulls out that rap sheet, You all say, absolutely. Amen. Praise God, I'm terrible. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're right, I did. I did slash those tires. I did steal that thing. I did run off with that person. I did cuss that guy out. That was all after I became the pastor. You know, I mean, you should, you should, right? That was just this last week, man. You got fresh material with me. I sure did. And you're right. There's not a way for me to be good enough to be healed. But I sure can be bad enough to be healed. Because grace only works if I don't deserve it. See, mercy is when I don't get what I do deserve. Grace is when I do get what I don't deserve. Do you understand how this could take condemnation out of your life or even work? Hey, if you'll testify with him for a little bit, he'll leave you alone. Like, praise God, I did all those things. You know what that means? It means I don't deserve it. (laughs) But I serve a God who's full of grace. Hey, I did a little research. If you want to read, there's, there's... 31 noted healings, 34 miracles in the Gospels. If you want to read them all, it's good, good reading, by the way. Because Jesus never does anything the same way. Like healed five blind people, he never healed them all the same way. He's creative. Right? But do you know what they, you know what everybody, listen to me. Jesus healed every person that came to him, and he healed some that didn't. You ever think about that? The woman who was hunched over had the spirit of infirmity, she didn't come to Jesus. The man with the withered hand, he didn't come to Jesus. The man at the pool of Bethesda, 
He didn't come to Jesus. And when Jesus said, hey, man, do you want to be made well? You know what he said? Well, he started making excuses. Well, I don't have anybody to throw me in the water. When the angel comes down and stirs the water, the first one in gets a miracle. And I've been here for years, and I can't ever seem to get in the water. Of course, I'm sitting here. I just wouldn't get out of the water. I live in the water. You know, but that's just me. I don't know how that thing worked. But anyways, and Jesus said, man, I didn't ask you if you knew how to swim. I asked you if you want to be well. Sometimes we make healing so complicated. I ain't got the right prayer. If healing's about focusing on your prayer, we're in trouble anyway. I think that's why most of the time we don't get there. We're so focused on us, we never see the goodness of God. I'm trying to focus on whether I'm good enough, whether I prayed right, whether I fasted, did I take communion, all those are good things. But I don't get healed because of me, I get healed because of him. Anyways, I looked at these 31 healings. Do you know what they all had in common? Think about it. Now, some people are going to say, well, they came to Jesus. And I just said, that's not true because there were four or five of them that didn't come to Jesus at all. He went to them. And some of you are going to say, well, there's, there's their faith. That's not true because some of them didn't come to Jesus. Right? They weren't like the leper. Do you know what every person who got healed by Jesus had in common? They were sick. That's what they had in common. Every person that got healed by Jesus, here's the common denominator I could find. And you can find a few common denominators and different ones, absolutely. The two, the two times Jesus marveled at their faith is the centurion servant. And Jesus says, you don't have to come pray for him, just speak the word. And Jesus said, what great faith. And the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter had a, a spirit of infirmity was probably an epileptic, is what most people believe. And, and Jesus said, I'm sorry, but he said, I, don't give, I can't give the children's bread to dogs. Right? And that sounds mean unless you understand that dogs are unbelievers. And he's talking that, in other words, I came, to, I came for the Jew and you're a Gentile. And she said, I don't need bread. I need one crumb from your table. And he said, I've never seen such great a faith. Your daughter's fine. The common denominator between those two is they didn't know the law. They weren't focused on themselves. They were focused on him. So there are some common denominators. But the common denominator across all 31 miracles that are recorded, and then there's all these, he healed all, and we don't know how many that is. But one ver- one, we read the one, a great multitude. He healed a great multitude. The common denominator is they were sick. Here's what I'm saying. Simple version. If you're sick, you're bad enough to be healed. Because we're always trying to qualify for it. But here's what I've read. If you're sick, you're bad enough to be healed because he's a passionate physician. Because he's a physician who desires to heal. And because he's a physician that is full of grace. He is the great physician. And he's still practicing today. Will you stand with me?